0: Welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. We're going to turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Read a couple verses. There is this uh, train of thought that we have kind of been in for a couple weeks off and on, and uh, I want to continue in that tonight on our Wednesday nights. We've been kind of touching on this or really teaching on it and different things, and so uh, tonight I want to talk about it in a little bit different light, but uh, I believe the Lord is doing a work uh in, in his people, work in each individual life, but also, I, 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 I don't know if you'd say in the, the atmosphere of the church, if you will, but I, I believe the Lord's doing a work, and, um, and uh, it's a good work, it's a good work, and uh, we, wanna, we want God to do a complete work as well. So we're going to read Psalm chapter 1. Starting at verse 1, we referenced this last week, ended with it, I believe, and I want to begin with it um, tonight. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law. Doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want to teach uh, from this passage and then work through uh, this idea, uh, we'll we'll title it, Planted, Productive, and Prosperous. Planted, Productive, and Prosperous. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight through his word. Father, we love you. We thank you for these wonderful group of people that are here on this Wednesday night. I ask, Lord, that your presence would be in our midst, that your spirit would confirm your word tonight. As it goes forth, let us have ears to hear And a heart to receive in this place tonight. We desire for your perfect will to be done. And we pray that you would perform it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Scripture gives many types and examples from which we can draw truths. There will be stories and there will be stories within stories, and there will be lessons learned from real life stories. One of my favorites is the Old Testament pattern and example of the fact that they fought real battles and they killed real people. And This is the same nation that had the uh, Ten Commandments, one of them that said, Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> Obviously, there's a reason for the battles we find in the Old Testament. But I want one of the stories we can learn uh, from is the fact that they would go out to fight battles, real-life battles. And sometimes the Lord would tell them to do things that just didn't make sense to warfare, <laughs> like walk around a city six times and then shout. You, that's not what you're supposed to do, especially when the enemy would encompass a city. Uh, Typically the first day, I feel like the, the, the army of that city could just start firing arrows. Well, You see, the lesson to be learned from that is that God can put the dread of his power, might, and all of that on your enemies, and you don't even have to lift a finger. Jericho was terrified of what? People walking around with a gold box, carrying trumpets. That doesn't make sense. Uh, go out, stand, meet your enemy. And they just praise me. And they won the battle that day too. The lessons that we learn from these real life stories is one, praise is how you win the battle. It's just real simple. and. So we see these truths in scripture and Jesus even taught with parables. and He did it for a couple reasons. One, to communicate a kingdom truth. So he would be like the kingdom of heaven is like. Then he would go into his story. Another reason he would teach in parables was to mask the point just enough that whoever did not have an ear to hear would not understand. Jesus would preach a truth just enough over their heads that those who weren't listening wouldn't get it. They'd walk away and they'd be like, what was he talking about? So, in other words, Jesus didn't want everyone to understand him. He was reaching for those who were spiritually hungry, those who were ready to hear receive and respond to the word in that moment. Uh, so we, we see these things in scripture and these different approaches, these different stories, these different truths that we can learn and, and we find that all throughout scripture, Genesis to Revelation, somewhere along the way you're gonna find uh, the subject of trees often, often and on. Trees are a subject of great importance in Scripture. We have the trees in the Garden of Eden. We have a tree that was cast into the waters at Marah to remove the bitterness of the water. God told Moses, cast this tree into the bitter water and it will be sweet to drink for the children of Israel. A blind man saw men as trees as Jesus was in the process of healing him. Our text says that those who love God's law and live it will be like a tree. Scripture states that cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus died on a tree and he became a curse for us so that through his death he could reverse the power of the curse so that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's a tree of life in the new Jerusalem. So we see trees all throughout scripture. What can we learn from the teaching of the tree and from our text? Well, you look at a tree, it has roots. It has a trunk, it has branches, and it has fruit. Not all fruit on trees are edible, but it produces something. It produces some kind of fruit. And so, looking at our text, we see that a tree, there's three things a tree is to do. A tree is to be planted, which is to be put or set in the ground for growth. If you're gonna put it in the ground, the expectation is that it grows, right? Planted, it is to produce. To bring forth or yield. And it is to be prosperous, flourishing, healthy growth. It is to be planted so that it can grow. It is to produce or yield. What? Yield fruit. But then it's also to be prosperous, meaning that as it yields fruit, the goal is that it yields more and more and more fruit. You want it to grow, not just grow up, but grow out. You want increase. That is the anticipation and expectation of any tree. Nobody's satisfied with an apple tree that produces one apple in its entire lifetime. Something's wrong with the tree. (laughs) And, and, And so we see it's to be planted, to produce, and to be prosperous. We find this pattern. In our text, when his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night, he shall be like a tree planted in the rivers of water and bring forth, yield, produce his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, it shall increase. It shall continue to flourish, and healthy growth is a result of it. So these things, planted, productive, and prosperous, that is the will of God for every child of God. That is the will of God for every church. We uh, church plant, church plant. The next stage is that the church should be productive. Productive. And the next stage is that the church should prosper uh, because if that is the will of God for the man who delights in the law of God, if one person is to have that promise, what happens when a church of people who delight in the law of God and meditate on, on it day and night and love that law and live that law If that pattern is at home, that pattern will continue in the church because the church is simply the assembly of those homes. And so Jesus puts a lot of emphasis on producing fruitfulness. And he says in John 15, 1-7, he says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So here's the good news. (laughs) Being fruitful, good. Snip, 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 snip. Ow, cutting, cutting away. Why? So we can produce more fruit. So either way, pain is gonna be involved. Because if we're not bearing any fruit, we're just cut off. If we bear fruit, we get cut at. So that we can then bear more fruit. It doesn't make sense. A reduction of something that is flourishing. Right. Because we want to take away the things that would prevent greater growth. And so... Jesus is communicating this truth. If we're not bearing any fruit, we're going to be taken away. But if we bear fruit, we will be purged so that we bring forth more fruit. And then he says in verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. In other words, now, because I've told you this, you can go through this process without offense. Forewarned is forearmed. Now you're aware. If you abide in me and bear fruit, there's going to be seasons in your life that are meant to refine you so that you can become more fruitful. Now you're clean through the word, so when you enter that season, you don't have to be like, what in the world is going on? Then he says in verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Uh, The fruit is at the edge of the branch, but the branch is connected to the tree. You cut off the branch, the fruit will die. So it's all connected. And Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. This idea... uh, uh, the goal of Jesus in each individual's life and the goal of the work of Christ through a church, you, it's always much more, produce more. Go through something that refines you and produce even more fruit on the other side of that season than you did before. It's this continual, constant increase that, you know, if, if you have been abiding in me for 10 years, great. But at the end of 20 years, you should have produced more fruit than ever before. Stagnation is never accepted. And, and, and when something ceases to grow, Jesus is saying there's an, there's an issue. There's an issue in the tree. There's an issue in the branches. There's an issue in the roots. What could it be? Because Jesus says, if you abide in me, I in you, same bringeth forth much fruit. Then he says, for without me, you can do nothing. But we can't produce any fruit without Jesus. He is the source of the fruit. That any fruit that's produced through us is only because we are in him and he's in us working in us to complete that good work because without him, we can do nothing. So Jesus says in verse six, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be, uh, shall be done unto you. So there's this explanation of close relationship between us and Jesus, that when we are living in that relationship, there is this unstoppable production of fruit, which is the result and the evidence that we abide in him and he abides in us. If the branch is dry, it's because it's been cut off from the tree. And so, by looking at these things, we see Jesus talks a lot about trees, and he talks a lot about fruitfulness. Luke 17, 1-6, we read about a tree that is um, something, a, a type of tree that is a, can be a reflection, as Jesus covers, of our own individual life. And Jesus here says to his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. In other words, he's saying, there is no chance that offenses will not come. <laughs> like, ah. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. And he says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So as we recap this text, Jesus says offenses will come. They there's nothing I can do to stop it. It's going to happen. But offenses here, it's a broad term in the, in the context of uh, the word. It means snares, traps, things that can ensnare us, occasions to fall. There's an opportunity to fall every day, perhaps. Perhaps there is something that offends or a stumbling block so offenses can come to people situations temptations something somehow some way is going to come and provide an opportunity for us to be grieved tripped up offended stumble fall which is why jesus says take heed In other words, pay attention. You you and I have to be beware of the life we live and the world we're in. so pay attention all throughout the New Testament. Beware, pay attention, take heed, be sober, vigilant. Your adversary goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so... Uh, Jesus says, "If if you find a brother, it's your brother, fellow neighbor, sins, rebuke him. But if he repents, forgive him. And then Jesus does this every single time, like he never put a limit or a cap on it." Which is why then the apostles cried out, increase our faith. They said, forgive them. Okay, I can do that every single time. Oh God, increase my faith. That's what they uh, were praying for, crying out for in that moment. Because they had no mental capacity to conceive that that level of forgiveness was a possibility. Their mind couldn't wrap around it. Three strikes, you're out. That's baseball, not the New Testament. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me to- twice, shame on me. It's not in the New Testament. Uh, forgive every single time. And so they're like, increase our faith. And Jesus then makes a statement. If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed. Anybody still got this? No? Okay. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this sycamine tree, Jesus said this, it's focused, you shall say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea and it should obey you. Mustard seed faith, we obviously know it grows and we know all of that, but the sycamine tree, what is it? The sycamine tree had a very large and deep root structure. And it was known to have one of the deepest root structures of all the trees in the Middle East. And so it was very vigorous and a robust tree that would grow to a height of 30 feet or more. And because its roots went so deep down into the earth, it was very difficult to kill. It was very hard to kill this kind of tree because of the roots. Hot weather and blistering temperatures had little effect on it. And so this tree, because it was tapped into some water source deep in the earth, would survive. And even cutting it to its base would not guarantee its death. Because its roots were so hidden deep under the ground. And it would just continue to draw from some water source under the earth, enabling it to resurface again and, again and again and again and again and again. And even when they thought they had it cut down, it had a water source deep under the earth and it would grow again. In other words, this tree was very hard to eradicate. So its root system was all about its roots. The sycamine tree's wood was the preferred wood for building caskets. They would use this tree to build caskets. Um, It's dry, it grew best in dry conditions. It was perfect to build a burying box. Obviously, it's associated with death. The sycamine tree produced a fig that was very bitter to eat. The sycamine tree and the mulberry or sycamore tree were very similar in appearance. Two trees even produced a fruit that looked identical. However, the fruit of the sycamine tree was extremely bitter. Its fruit looked just as luscious and delicious as the fruit of the sycamore tree. However, when a person tasted the fruit of the sycamine tree, he discovered it was horribly bitter. Sycamore tree's fruit was delicious, good to eat. That's why it was expensive. Because of the cost of the fruit of the sycamore tree, wealthy people were the only ones that typically ate it because they were the only ones that could afford it. But the fruit of the sycamine tree was cheap and therefore poorer people who couldn't afford the better fruit would eat of the fruit of the sycamine tree. Yet, they couldn't eat the fruit in one sitting because of how bitter it was. So they just munched on it. A little bite here, a little bite there. And then the thing that really fascinated me was that the sycamine tree was pollinated only by wasps. It's very interesting to note the sycamine tree was not naturally pollinated. The pollination process was only initiated when a wasp stuck its stinger into the heart of the fruit. Thus, the tree and its fruit had to be stung in order to be reproduced. So this tree sounds miserable. it looks just like a sycamore tree. But its fruit is bitter, and the only way it reproduces is to be stung. It's associated with death because it's only used to build caskets for the dead. But it looks just like a sycamore tree. We read about another tree and we see that the sycamine tree and the sycamore tree, they look very much alike, and yet at the same time we understand they're very different. What is the main difference? The fruit. The difference is in the fruit, not in the looks, not in the appearance, it's in the fruit. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 16 through 20, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. The sycamore tree's fruit was sweet, and the sycamine tree's fruit was bitter. We can look the same. Remember, our text goes back to the individual. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Each of us, according to Scripture, we're a tree. Those who love God's law, those who live God's law, shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water and will produce fruit, and will prosper. But offenses will come, stumbling blocks, through our own flesh or through others, sting, things that come into our life that seek to turn us bitter, We can look the same and act the same and go to the same church, but the question is, is how is our fruit? Is our fruit godly or is our fruit bitter? We find this truth that Jesus talks about in that text that unforgiveness leads to bitterness, which goes to the roots because the Bible talks about the root of bitterness. Meaning the only way to get out bitterness is to pluck it up by the roots. But if unforgiveness leads to bitterness, which goes to the roots, then that means it will then produce bitter fruit. Meaning if you want to know the condition Of the fruit you go to the root if you want to know anything about the root sample the fruit because what is in the root will be in the fruit and what is the fruit is goes to the root if the roots bitter the fruit will be bitter if the root is sweet the fruit will be sweet That's why Paul tells us in in, in his New Testament letters being rooted and grounded in love. Because if you're rooted in the love of God, you will then produce the fruit of the Spirit. Whatever we're rooted in will determine the fruit we produce. Rooted in. The good news is, though, is We can change the narrative. The poor sycamine tree is a sycamine tree. But that doesn't have to be our story. That doesn't have to be our individual story. That doesn't have to be the story of our family. That doesn't have to be the story of our church. We can change the narrative. If there is something in us that is rooted in bitterness we just have to have the faith as the grain of a mustard seed and say, I'm uprooting this out of my life today. Whatever that came into my life or whatever I allowed into my life or whatever was done to me or whatever I did that is that produced a sting that caused me to be hard and bitter, I can uproot it tonight. Oh yes, I can remove it tonight. I don't want some roots to be in the love of God and other roots to be holding on to things that I should let go of I want to be fully and completely rooted and grounded in the love of God is that anybody tonight Because mustard seed faith can uproot a bitter tree and cast it out. It's mustard seed faith that says things are changing. I'm I'm going to change the narrative of my story. I'm going to walk into a new level, a new life. Because I'm going to delight and live in the law of God. But we see that just a (laughs) Real powerful, simple, motivational truth conveyed in Matthew 19. Verse one, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. But he was the chief among publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus. Everybody say he sought to see. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who he was. But he couldn't because of the crowd. And he was a wee little man. And so it says in verse 4, he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree. We just talked about the sycamine tree and all the negative things about a sycamore tree. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and he ran and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was passing that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide. Abide in me and I in you. I must abide at your house. And Zacchaeus quickly came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus didn't run and climb up a bitter tree to see Jesus. He ran to a tree with sweet fruit to see Jesus. He ran to a tree that was planted, productive, and prosperous. Is it starting to come together for you? It was the tree with sweet fruit that made it possible for him to see Jesus. It was the tree with sweet fruit that enabled, provided an opportunity for Zacchaeus to get above the crowd, to get above where he had always lived life, to see Jesus. The tree that produced good fruit is what allowed him to see Jesus. I don't want bitter fruit. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want the fruit of the spirit. I don't want bitter fruit. I gotta forgive. And I gotta uproot every single thing in my life that makes me hard and bitter and makes me negative and unpleasant. I gotta remove it all out of my life. And if I got the faith as a mustard seed, Jesus said I can do it. I gotta uproot it. I got to get it out because the only fruit I want to see produced in me is the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because if we are producing the fruit of the Spirit, they're going to see Jesus. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's His nature. The fruit of the Spirit makes the invisible Jesus visible. Love, joy, Peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control, faith, all of those things. So this is the point. A church that is planted and producing the fruit of the Spirit will make it possible for their city to see Jesus. My question today, each person has to make the choice because Psalm 1 tells us it's the individual Each person in our life today, we have to examine our life. What's bitter in me? What's toxic in me? That's trying to infect the roots, which will then affect the fruit. I'm going to use my faith in the word. I'm going to use my faith in Jesus today. And I'm going to uproot some things that are seeking to mess with the fruit. Because I am not going to be responsible for people in this city unable to see Jesus. It's okay. You can worship at that point. We are going to be a church that is planted, that is productive, and that is prosperous. And when people walk in here, they're going to see love. They're going to see the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. They're going to see people with self-control, meek, gentle, faith-filled people. And they're going to say, this is... Is Jesus. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And what they couldn't see before, they will be able to see. And it's all because of the fruit. It's all because of the fruit. Let's stand. Why don't we take a moment and let's pray as a church and allow the Holy Ghost to examine our heart. What in us needs uprooted tonight? What thing have we allowed in our life, our spirit, our heart, our mind that we need to uproot tonight? Why don't you let the Holy Ghost speak to you for a moment? Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice and just call upon the Lord for a moment? Allow him to search your heart. Allow him to speak to your mind right now.